Hey, everybody. This is Stuart. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, we're never going to get this right. I'm Zach. I'm Stuart. Well, I, I was like, I was waiting. I gave you five seconds. I was like, well, yep, Zach's not yep. going to say anything. That is I'll the, say something. That's the lead in time. I'm programmed for editing. <laughs> if there is uh, one thing that Stuart's good at, it's talking. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't um, be on the podcast if. I wasn't good at talking. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that would be the the most boring podcast. Like I I don't know how people solo podcast because I know if it were me, I would just be reading my notes and it would be boring and be over fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be you like, well, be bye. Like, well, <laughs> this isn't super exciting, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Today we're talking about the film uh, Under the Silver Lake. Um, from uh 2018 2019 something like that um yeah. i don't have the exact date down but um the did you want to do me me me's first or at the end oh we can do it at the end okay Spend gotcha my me 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 and might be a little <laughs> long spoilers. gotcha right. gotcha yeah well so so um yeah uh looking it up online it looks like it 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 played it can uh, the Cannes Film Festival in 2018, oh. and it actually came to the U.S. theaters a, almost a year later in 2019. So, nice. yeah, this from, is kind of recent. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because with the uh, little bit of research I did, um, I noticed that it has a bit of a cult following. So it's kind of interesting that it has yeah. like this following <laughs> for a movie that's like semi new. Usually. Um, yeah i feel like movies need to kind of like mature ripen to kind of get that cult following but um yeah there's a yeah. bit of like ciphers and um, <laughs> there also, is yeah which yeah i mean yeah so okay let me let's uh well okay so to kind of talk about how this movie is kind of a cult classic. Um, again, it's an A24 film, just like our last one, uh, The Green Knight. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, A24 fucking kill it every time. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. They, I, I, like all of the things they, they put out, I like to one degree or another. Um, mm -hmm. Because they, they're one of those smaller studios that like they put a lot of money towards their projects and their marketing. Yeah, I saw that the um, the director of this uh, film, um, from the research that I did, uh, did It Follows. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I guess that's the, um, I guess, biggest movie that um, John Carpenter? Uh, David, or, no, David Robert the, Mitchell. David yeah, Robert so, Mitchell. So, yeah, and, and David Robert Mitchell is kind of... Um, he and uh it's not dave eggers what, what is his name um like they, there's been a resurgence that i kind of think is a little bit um patronizing maybe mm -hmm. for for uh these these more recent horror movies that are uh a little bit more cerebral they're, they're not just like throwaway slasher movies like the, you you think about them after you leave the theater as as like high class horror but it david robert yeah. mitchell um robert eggers who did the witch and the lighthouse uh in the northman um and then ari aster who did uh hereditary and god what is the one with the uh midsummer mm -hmm. um like they're all kind of described as these highbrow horror people 
Um, this movie isn't really horror, in my mm. opinion. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's more suspenseful than anything else. Yeah, like, like I'd, know, I'd go I'd so like... far as to say it's a neo-noir. Okay, um, yeah. Because, like, he's kind of a private eye. Like, he's not being paid, but he, like, he hits all the tropes of the private detective. In a yeah, but he's kind novel. of just a deadbeat. He is. He is. I mean, um, he, he well, literally is, he? is, like, trying to uh, pay rent. Is he, though? Because, so, so, and this, this goes back to... Um, what I was saying, so so yeah, the the fan base for the these directors' movies are hit or miss. Like this this movie never did really did bang up numbers. Like yeah. I, I think it made like two million in the box office. Um, I saw that Rotten has, Tomatoes like, mixed reviews. Yeah, like, Rotten Tomatoes has a fifty nine percent, and Metacritic has a sixty. Yeah. So those are so close together that I don't think that it's a case of like Rotten Tomatoes being review bombed or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you see, but it does have a cult following, like you were saying. Like if you go to Reddit, there's a under the Silver Lake subreddit where those people go through it frame by frame and you can fall down some rabbit holes. And I'm not sure personally that's a positive for this movie. I feel like some Yeah, I feel like some of the like I like you get into these like loose ends and they never get like i don't know what what it has to do with the story i don't you know like and and maybe maybe it's too cerebral for me or something along those lines but like and i only watched it once i will admit that i didn't like rewatch it or anything along those lines it's just like there's moments like with the dog and everything along those lines it's like I don't know how this fully ties into everything. Right. So, um, the way, so yeah. And, and, and I might just be a dummy. I just no, might no, be no. a big well, old like, dummy so, dumb. <laughs> so I, I was unsure whether or not I liked it the first time I saw it. Um, yes. and then, then I, I mean, I how many times it. have you watched it? Um, including the rewatch for this probably four or five times. Okay. Um, so it's like the whole point of the movie, I think, is that there's this secret, um, it, it, like cult. I, it's not. I, well, not a cult. There, there's a. Um, there's a. There's a world that exists between the world that everyone else exists yes. within. Um, that's kind of nested in there. Uh, kind of like um, if anyone has played. Uh, unknown oh, armies yes kind of like unknown armies more i would say more so like the the world of darkness game if you were playing as just a mortal who mm-hmm. was aware of these secret things going on um, just outside of view of everyone else yeah. um because the whole the whole thing that he falls down is uh he tries to find out what happened to this girl he was supposed to meet up with the next day who is just yeah, not in her apartment anymore. She, and again, like I, I think I know what they were trying to reference. They were trying to reference like Alfred Hitchcock's um, "Through the Window" or um, with like his, um, you know, with him spying on everybody. But it's still a little kind of creepy. He is creepy. He's he is someone who has fallen completely in, like because so so he's 
he's a fan of a um of a comic right kind of a yeah it's like it's a comic um it's more it's kind of like a zine almost because he has to go to this one bookstore to get like a zine like a like a a put together magazine oh okay i did Um, not know that term oh yeah no that so yeah zines were um a thing in the 80s and 90s where people would just like because they had access to you know kinkos for the first time you Mm -hmm. can just go to kinkos spend five bucks and make a hundred copies of whatever crazy bullshit you put together in a pamphlet and there you go um published yourself yeah exactly like it's it's one of the first ways to self-publish um but but yeah he uh he kind of falls down this this hole with with this zine and tracks down the the author of it and there's there's bizarre like there's um random dog killings happening yeah um the, like the the film opens i believe with uh a, with the thing that says beware the dog killer written in um glass paint um mm-hmm. on a store that's being opened up um there's there are these random break-ins happening throughout the neighborhood that are commented on multiple times uh once by the the conspiracy theorist that that puts out this magazine um and he like the hero of this is kind of yeah i didn't see a hero (laughs) he's well no and that's what i'm saying he's he's not he's he's that's kind of why i hesitate to to say it's suspense because he's not really a hero like this is this is sexualizes a lot of the women yeah i mean he has this one actress that comes by and um yeah um every now and then and brings him food and they hook up and then she's out um i i don't know what they have going on i i I don't know either but um i think that's kind of like i don't know some of the not the frustrating but like there's just like parts of the movie where i don't know how it's all connected like like it's an interesting story like um the i didn't see where the ending was going and when the ending actually happened i was like oh this is strange and weird like you know you want to be basically a pharaoh and bury yourself in a bunker i I see i kind of love that reveal because i do i I, I like that but like nothing really ties into it it's like that's cool and everything but like what's all this like other bullshit you're talking about <laughs> well so <laughs> like <laughs> so i think the whole film honestly is an exercise in misdirection um, <laughs> because like there's there there's because all of the scenes are i mean there's a narrative to it i don't want to say it's it's um it doesn't have a narrative but all the scenes are are so drastically different that it's almost like he stitched together a bunch of vignettes yeah that kind of have a through line of this one guy looking for this one woman who's disappeared um but like he when he's he's uh so like there's a scene where he gets sprayed by a skunk and he has the actress that that comes over and brings him food and, and fucks him um brings him like uh tomato soup i think and they're in the bathroom and 
earlier in the movie she had messed with some papers of his and he was just like no no no, no don't don't look yeah. at that or whatever and so she's been thinking about it and she now that she she has him like kind of squared away in a, in a space i really love the exchange where she's like so what were those papers and then he goes he like he he kind of hesitates in telling her because i think he knows that it's it's insane what he's it's doing insanity yeah but she she like presses him on it and he's like okay well you know vanna white um on on uh oh god what is the wheel of gauge? not um, wheel of fortune yeah yeah vanna white um she makes these little eye motions and there's a there's symbology behind it and so i've been re-watching <laughs> wheel of fortune and making these notes when she she makes these nervous eyes back and forth and up and down and i've been notating it and i keep been keeping track of it and the camera cuts back to ricky lindholm the uh, the actress playing the, the the actress yeah um and you can see on her face that she's like I gotta leave. And, <laughs> I gotta leave right now. <laughs> and, you know, I've been complaining about the story, but one of the things that really hits for this movie is, like, the acting is really on par. The the cinematography, uh, yeah. the way that they use, like, colors and lighting is fantastic. And I really like the soundtrack to it. I, I think those Yeah, the are, score is really, really good. Real good, yeah. And it really like puts you into that kind of like mood and everything. Yeah. Um, I think they do a fantastic job with that. It's just like I just I wasn't along for the narrative ride. Yeah. Which I was just like and with it being such an interesting ending, especially with like the call and everything, and the you know, um her name was Samantha or uh, Sarah. Sarah, um, just being like, yeah, this is what I chose. It's like, oh, okay. Well, like, yeah, so, so the, um, I guess to, so. I mean, we spoiled a lot then, so, Yeah, you there, know. there's a lot, so, Spoilers. so over the course of the story, it, like, he's looking for this, this woman, and he keeps running into these, these LA people, um. Yeah, because, like, and he didn't even, so, it was that one night where he, like, went into her like apartment after like spying on her and everything like that yeah and then they were about to hook up but like her roommates came in and stuff like that and then he was like oh dang and then the next day uh they just disappeared and apparently uh he noticed her hat in like this one car crash with this one famous person yeah so there's a, a billionaire that has has gone missing right Mm -hmm. um and like you you see it pop up on these these news reports um and one of the news reports says that oh yeah his very iconic car because it's like a 32 Duesenberg, which yeah are something. insanely like they, they're right. they're luxury yeah. cars from the 30s they're they're insanely expensive now um it's discovered uh that he's been burned to death in a car with three women uh, and he recognizes her hat and the small dog that was similar to the one yeah, she had. Dog, right? Yeah, dog, And so, and also the reference I, I thought was funny was under the Silver Lake. Uh, Silver Lake in, in LA is kind of like a hipster bastion. 
um i think still uh but definitely at oh. the time it was the kind of like like the brooklyn of la right oh, I didn't know that. it's where wealthy trust fund hipsters could go and just be very strange and so oh, okay. he he wanders around and in through the neighborhood and interacts with these people like at a secret club show that's happening at um hollywood forever which is a cemetery that is kind of like a rec center like my understanding i've never been but uh, hollywood forever is is like the celebrity cemetery but it's got like recreational center stuff I, you can do there as well you say celebrity cemetery um, what yeah I, yeah I, so it's a it's a cemetery for celebrities oh okay okay yeah um and that may not be true i may may be getting that mixed up with another one but there there is a a real place called hollywood forever that's that's um a cemetery but it also has like a music venue and stuff like that in it um and he he keeps interacting with these people that are kind of operating on the periphery of of what he's looking for um which is a reason for why did this girl disappear yeah. Um, and along like, the way you become very obsessed with this yeah well like and it's it's um the fact that i'm having difficulty staying in one one track should tell you how kind of disjointed the the narrative yes. is in this movie so he he um runs into um uh, a guy only known as the songwriter who is that's really the first inkling i think of oh shit, the, the weird things that I think are going on are not as weird as what's actually going on. Um, yeah, and I don't know if it's like subterfuge where they're trying to like distract you or like well, or misdirection. So... <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know. I just... So, well, and, and I take that back. I, I don't think his interaction with the songwriter is the first one. The, the guy that he goes to that makes this weird conspiracy magazine um has an issue out about the owl's kiss which is this nude woman that breaks into someone's house and kills them right Mm -hmm. and he sees video where this happens to the author of this weird magazine right um she visits him and he he gets stabbed to death by this weird naked woman wearing an owl mask um which is again your first inkling of oh well I guess he had something right so is all of his stuff right is that why he was killed? Yeah. Um, then he interacts with like I said the songwriter who is he's I don't know how much of it is real and how much of it is not real. He like I, I don't know how much he's speaking of in metaphor when he says. Um, and you, know, you know, he's always been around and he because the songwriter is someone that has literally like just based on the paraphernalia um, in his studio, he has written most of the popular hits secretly for the last yeah. like hundred years. And then he starts playing like Ode to Joy um, and is like, I wrote this one, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's very old. So it's like wait, are you some weird vampire that's being kept alive to, like, groom people to, like, some evolutionary goal? Like, what's going on with this? And then Andrew Garfield's character smashes his head in with Kurt Cobain's guitar. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you don't really get an answer there. Um, 
Yeah. And again, it's, it's... the the well in the the what you were referencing earlier. Um, one of the so basically, very very wealthy people have been faking their death and being buried like pharaohs underground, um, where with their like wives with yeah with three wives right. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't apparently, even know what, why three is a significant number? I, um, I mean, it's a it's a spiritual number, I guess. Um, but yeah, so so they're they're buried in these these uh, living quarters underground, encased in concrete, and then after six months, they quote unquote ascend. Which do they? Or do they just yeah. starve to death? <laughs> because, well, like, and and he's because, like, but no, like, this guy in actual, yeah, Egyptian, uh, they would actually bury like live people, their servants and stuff like that. It's like... Yeah, well, and and um, I I do think it's funny that when he he happens upon the the next guy who's going down, who who's telling him all this, he's like, well, then how do you how do they fake their deaths? And he's like, well, they you know have all their teeth removed and most of their skin is replaced. And then, um, you know, they have any organs they don't absolutely need for survival removed. (laughs) And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Um, cause yeah, like, I don't know if I really want to ascend anymore. Um, yeah. Well, like one of my kidneys and and my teeth. Well, and to kind of, um, you know, assure him that no, no, like she wants to be down there. Um, yeah. They only have a, a one way telephone call, like video telephone yeah. call um, that he can make. Uh, and he's like, yeah, we, uh, we, we don't allow incoming calls anymore because, you know, sometimes people get scared uh, during their ascent and it's like, Oh no, these people are, are starving. To death. Yeah. These people are <laughs> trying you to and get out. Like, Hey, um, um, I made a, a horrible decision, but, but he calls her and she's just like, yeah, no, this is, this is cool. This is our time to be alive. And this is what we're, what we're doing. And we're going to ascend and everything's going to be great. Right. And he's just like, are you sure about that? And like, she starts crying because I think she realizes in that moment, uh, I done fucked up. Uh, I done fucked up. I can't get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she, she like very politely, but, but very quickly ends the call after that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, he, he, uh, he gets evicted. He, then he gets evicted. Um, I do think it's funny though, when he's speaking with the office manager the next day, yeah. um, you don't know that he's, he's like on the verge of getting evicted because he's, he's on the phone with his mother at one point. And he's making it sound like he's moving and shaking and he's got these big things going on. Um, he's living in a gigantic apartment by himself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, LA, in a very which, popular and yeah. a yeah, in a very popular neighborhood in LA. And you think everything's going right. And then he's speaking with the office manager, like, yeah, why did she move in the middle of the night? And he's like, man, I don't fucking know. Like, shit. yeah, <laughs> they like, broke their contract and they're out. Like what, why do you give a shit? Like, and, 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 He's like, by the way, if you're worried about something, you better be worried about paying my goddamn rent. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, like he hasn't paid rent in like 
I think did they say like five or six months? Like it's yeah. it's 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 a length of time to the point where he the sheriff's department has to come and kick him out and he yeah. smooth talks his way with the sheriff's deputy to let him stay like another night. And then doesn't he write some um, sort of like a message or like something like that? Yeah, he writes in um hobo code the um the the message to stay quiet although i don't think he wrote it on there i, th- I think the cult actually bro- like broke into his apartment to write that oh. on his wall was oh, okay. stay quiet yeah um so now some funny things about the movie that i did like is so one of his friends is topher grace who mm-hmm. was in spider-man three right um andrew garfield played spider-man specifically amazing spider-man um yeah. He wakes up one morning with gum, the remnants of gum on his hand and goes to push himself up off the coffee table and his hand sticks to a copy of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, I didn't even notice that. And he has to like shake it off kind of like he does in the movie where when he yeah, realizes his hands yeah. are sticky, um, <laughs> which I found very funny. Yeah. Um, Topher Grace, I think originally was supposed to be Tobey Maguire, but he backed out, which that would have been way better. um there's a scene where he uh beat viciously beats the shit out of a bunch of kids who have just vandalized his car which then gets repossessed because he hasn't been paying on it yeah um i am the type of person that falls in the camp of i think that he's the dog killer Um, oh because well and and so he he like he says several times to people who ask him, "Hey man, why do you have dog biscuits in your pocket?" And he's like, "Oh, um it it's it's habit. My girlfriend and I have a dog." And it's like, "Okay, are you luring dogs to you and then murdering them because that's what it seems like." It, he, you know, he he uses that weird path that cuts through the park that's very dark. Um, yeah where i mean that makes sense yeah like he why else would like i own dogs i don't walk around with dog biscuits in my pocket you know yeah <laughs> like that's I very know some weird people who like don't own a dog and carry around dog biscuits but they usually go to like a um do they kill uh, dogs no they go to a dog park <laughs> I, and and i don't know is is that illegal like can you go into a dog park without a dog I mean, yeah, I mean, you it's, can. It's, yeah, it's public. It's a public property. park. Yeah. So I guess as long as you're there while it's open, yeah, that's cool. I, I've got to ask this friend if like anyone ever like yells at them. Yeah, they, like don't give my dog treats. Well, like there are scenes where um... I guess dogs could have allergies or like, yeah, that's maybe not the best. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> there's um. Like the more evidence for this that I have too is that like he actively hallucinates during the day mm-hmm. and specifically like you mentioned earlier he he has a misogyny problem, yeah. Um, and the Doesn't other he, people like, envision one of the dogs as a like a, a woman. Yes, so yeah. he there's that, but also while he's while he's awake, like it happens when he's dreaming twice, but once when he's definitely awake, mm-hmm. where, um women are are talking to him and they just start 
like going woof woof woof, yeah. woof 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 like barking at him um yeah i i think that he's the dog killer like it, he's he's also like there are reports yeah, of sense. of like things going missing in the neighborhood and every time it cuts back to his apartment um which i you may not have noticed just watching it once is he's got random stuff in his apartment that's way beyond what someone who's um broke and getting kicked out of their apartment would have like he has a rotating um he, he also always has cash on him which would make sense if he's like getting stuff and then selling yeah. it at a pawn shop but like he he rotates through a couple of vintage bases a couple of vintage guitars um the sound system that he has when he plays um the jesus and the brides of dracula's uh um single backwards oh, yeah. on mm-hmm. um it, like you can do that with any like needlepoint stylus but yeah. the type that that you just set up to do that with um on that setting and with those speakers and stuff like that's that's an at least ten thousand dollar piece of equipment that oh, he wow. has just sitting in his apartment it's like i think he broke it because also when he um like wants to break into sarah's apartment mm-hmm. um he very quickly and easily pops that window open yeah um yeah, like he, like I mean, I could figure out how to do it, but like I, like he does it with the practice of someone who regularly does that. Yeah. <laughs> like he kind of hides his hand over the lock and then just goes pop and then jumps into the apartment. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I mean could be convenience, like that could mean nothing, but like I feel like he's the thief and also the dog killer mm-hmm. going on. Um, but like there, there are tons of things that they purposely hid in this movie too. Like, um, the uh, what? What was it? There's a specific type of cipher. The so yeah. So oh, like there's graffiti used in this movie that's encoded with something called the uh, Copiali cipher, which mm-hmm. is uh, kind of collected on seventy. 75,000 handwritten characters over 105 pages. Um, and that, that cipher was actually cracked in 2011 by the film's cryptography consultant because this film has a cryptography consultant. That's pretty cool. Mm. <laughs> um, which is, it's like what you, you know what you're doing when you, when you hire a cryptography consultant. But here's my question. Or to like, your film. Does any of these like, ciphers like has anyone cracked it and has it given like any more substance to the movie or is it just there just to be there um so usually they lead to other ones and usually they they lead back to themselves so i i don't know so it doesn't add any additional Uh... information to the movie i mean no i i think though that like it's a little frustrating right well so it's i don't know i I, it's it's kind of unrealistic to expect an endless rabbit hole yeah Um, i understand an endless rabbit hole but like if i'm deciphering something i would like a payoff please yeah i mean that is true what's um you know what's the payoff um i mean the, the payoff is is 
congratulations congratulations you have way too much time on your hands is, like, is, yeah uh, i mean because like going back to um doki doki literature yeah uh we did a uh um, which we did an episode on go back and yes. listen to it i think yes. it's like episode it's an early episode yeah it's an early and they had ciphers as well but in those ciphers you learned a little bit more about the the girls and then you also like there was um art that you could access inside the um the folder of the game like if you knew exactly where to look which the the ciphers gave you once you figured them out you could look in a particular folder that was like part of like the operating folder and pull out like like art of like um alternative like selections and things like that which i thought was super cool and you know is a payout for for deciphering these things and even um uh what is it called kids animation show um gravity falls gravity falls had a lot of like ciphers as well and when you deciphered those you got a little bit more insight into the show you could actually figure out um main story like resolutions before they actually happened which i thought was really cool but like if you just have a i don't know a a thing just for the sake of like having a puzzle like let's say you did a a a, a, a jigsaw puzzle and at the end yeah. there was no picture i feel like i would be like this jigsaw puzzle has cheated me <laughs> i, I mean they do sell jigsaw puzzles that have no picture yeah it's what just blank you yeah, so it's it's for well, so it's for people that are like hardcore puzzlers. But like, if you go to like Hobby Town, for example, um, they sell one that's like ten thousand pieces, and it's a circ. It's a um a round, reflective silver surface. So like, you, there's no picture for you to like put together in your head. There's no edge pieces. Um, this like it's meant for people who just want to put the thing together. <laughs> i mean which is a weird um, impulse because you know my wife yeah. will, will joke my spatial intelligence is not very high um because i was trying to put an edge piece together with a non-edge piece and oh you guys have been puzzling uh, well we did at one point and we don't During anymore the because oh, okay. oh no no bef- before the pandemic like oh, several okay. years yeah mm-hmm. um i mean i just don't have the patience for puzzling yeah like it doesn't make sense in my head how they go together but um but yeah i just came back to the the movie (laughs) um it just like having a puzzle without a solution um would make me upset personally and yeah i mean this and i haven't gotten on the forums i haven't gone on because you said that there's a reddit and everything along those lines um I haven't gone there and maybe there is a solution, but, um, but yeah, if, if there is no solution and it's just a puzzle, just for the sake of puzzle, then uh, that's not cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, from what I can tell the, uh, there's a compilation of all the secret codes used in the Silver Lake, um, on someone's website where they've cracked like the Morse code and the Kopi Alley graffiti and, um, stuff like that and a lot of it is circular and leads back to 
another thing referenced earlier in the movie that kind of gives you insight into what's going on before it comes up in the movie itself. But you so the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying that there's the the point I think of including that in this specific way is to kind of be like, hey, um, there's things going on in the background that you're not aware of that if someone's aware of them, they have a leg up on you. Um, yeah, but everybody finds it out at the end of the movie. Do, do they? I mean, if you're saying the ciphers give you an insight, if it gives you an insight of things that are going to happen in the movie, then yeah, people... Oh no, I mean characters characters in, in the movie. Like, they, they're... Um... So, like, going through this list, um, a lot of them are just kind of benign. Like, one of them is Unicorn, Tiger, Snake, Lion. Uh, at 28 seconds in the movie, those those things flash across the, str- the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, those are the movie title's initials under the Silver Lake. UTSL, right? Yeah. Um, t-shirt with animal logo spells Beware Dog Killer. Um Let's see. The dolls uh, have a Zodiac code on them that spells out Tombstone Sheriff entries. Um, So a lot of the ones, like, they they just seem kind of benign. Um, And not not very deep. Yeah. Um, Hmm. But yeah, no, I I recommend this movie. I think it's it's, uh, a funny watch. Um, It's... It's kind of creepy in parts. I, I don't know if I'd go full on and say that this is a comedy. This is a comedy if you're a weirdo, I think. Yeah, um, I think this would be more of like... The director describes it as a neo-noir black comedy, which I don't know if I'd even say it's a black comedy because it's it's not... Um, it's not like it's dark necessarily. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, and like... I would, if you got nothing better to watch, sure, it's going to be my uh, <laughs> recommendation. Like, I don't feel gypped. Like, I don't feel like I wasted my time. Um, and the runtime is not short. Uh, it's uh, it's like just over two hours, I think. Yeah. Like, it might be 130-ish minutes, I think. I mean, which is fairly longer for modern movies. It is. Um, yeah. Now, I and, and I will say, like I was saying up up at the top, this movie did not make any money back. It made, um, yeah, two, $2.05 million on an $8 million budget. Um, it's the last thing he directed in 2018 he's 47 uh i don't see anything with his name coming out in mm. the near future so i think this one kind of ended his career to be honest oh, that's sad yeah because i mean he did it follows there's a movie he did called uh the myth of the american sleepover in 2010 it follows in 2014 and then this in 2018 and then nothing nothing else yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it has a cult following, but studios don't give a shit about cult following. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, uh, if if this like hits your 
your particular genre. If you're like, I enjoy dark noirs, give it a watch. If you got nothing better to watch, give it a watch. But yeah, would I recommend it as like? I don't think I would be able to give it a wholehearted recommendation. I feel like this is where we branch paths. <laughs> but again, I don't feel like I wasted my time. Okay, well, good. At least it, it was not like... Um, it wasn't like I turned it off halfway through. It was like, yeah, I get the gist. I get the gist of this. I can see where this is going. It's like, I if you did that, I would be like, I really don't think you see where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, halfway through in this movie is around the point where he's, I think, going to that, like, rooftop party yeah. with where the people I just, are swimming and stuff. And I, I feel kind of gypped that, like, some of the scenes just don't have anything to do with anything. I'm just like, I don't get what's Are going there scenes on. that don't have anything to do with I mean... Anything? Like, nothing comes to mind for me. Like, I'm not, I'm not asking that as a leading in a leading way. Like I, like, I, I feel like everything has a point of being in the movie. It's just, it's, it's very disordered. Yeah. And again, maybe I just on a first watching didn't see where things were associated. Hmm. And maybe, maybe if I watched this second time, my, my grade might be a little bit higher, hmm. but um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I kind of came at this as like I'm going to watch a movie, and then I'm like, oh, I've got to take notes. And um, yeah, yeah. So, this one is is um, strange. Like we, we, I don't think we go into movies like this very often. Um, I mean, there's probably a reason for that. A lot of them are not really, really very good. <laughs> and it's obviously arguable whether or not this one is good. Because no, I really I mean, like it. Yeah. Um, I I like anything that kind of pulls back uh, the weird veneer of society that everyone has just kind of agreed. Yeah, this is how things work. And then it's like, oh, wait, billionaires be uh, burying themselves like pharaohs and ascending somewhere? <laughs> Tell me more. Do you get magical what? powers? Do you, do you get magical powers? <laughs> <laughs> or do you just die in the dark? and hungry <laughs> without your teeth and an organ yeah yeah <laughs> um okay well yeah so i guess if that's if that's it um that's about all i got on that uh do you want to talk about me me me's yeah um do you have your your one big one did you want me to yes. go first and then you yes can do you can go first okay before i info dump gotcha okay so um let's see i think all of these would probably be things you're interested in um so uh the wife and i went through and watched uh pop team epic uh it's currently on amazon prime is it a show or a movie yeah so it's it's an uh it's an anime series it's based on a uh manga that is itself it's 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 kind of well so so i think the reason i think you would like it is because um it's anime it's well no because it's it's really set up like it's a surreal show but it's set up for people who already have like a deep understanding of 
anime and how anime is is structured right like the tropes um yeah like it's it's kind of i won't say it's as dense as excel saga <laughs> but it's it's kind of in that same vein okay you know? yeah i i like, got i got you exactly when you're like <laughs> excel saga yeah because like it's in, it for oh, people who don't know excel saga um each episode is a different genre of like anime or gaming where yeah. it's like the magical girl episode or like the dating sim episode or like the giant robot yeah. mm-hmm and they just play on these tropes and they're hilarious yeah and like this kind of does that but like xl saga does it to the point of it it parodying anime as a as a medium and so it like there's not really a coherent story to it like xl saga is much more yeah dense and non-linear this does have one episode of xl saga and then like the fifth episode of xl saga and you would still get the gist of what's going on yeah, yeah, because largely they're they're pokes and 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 jibes at at the trope, the culture, the medium, the business. Like it's it's all that sort of stuff. Yeah. This kind of focuses on the tropes of of anime characters, right? Okay. So so like by the end of the show, like there is a a point that they're getting at where it's it's a it's a coherent story, even mm-hmm. though it's it's wild, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spoil it. But it does move towards a uh, an endpoint. Interesting. Okay. Um, but it, it still does all of those those things that that are like kind of meta, you know, where it's it's um, you know these these two characters meet because one of them is running late for school and so she's running around a corner and they literally run into each other. Right? It's, does she it's have bread in her mouth or toast? Yes, yes, she yeah, does. Yeah. See, I did. I haven't even seen it, and I knew because it's a trope. I was hoping that you would ask that. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, if if you like, I would say recommend it for anyone that likes meta about anime. Is an anime like not just like a, a casual anime watcher? And you like, said it was on. Um, it's on Amazon Prime right Amazon. now. But I bet yeah, I it's, find it's, it on uh, Crunchyroll. Yeah, Pop Team Epic. Yeah, it's probably on Crunchyroll. Um, Because it is put out by... Who is the manga distributor? How many seasons? One season? There's just one. It's... uh, Let's see. Yeah, it's only 14 episodes. Ah, not bad. Yeah, and it is... It looks like on Wikipedia. Maybe I'll get back to you and uh, let you know if we do an actual episode on it. Yeah, yeah. On um, Wikipedia, it's saying Crunchyroll is streaming it. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, it's anime, so... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah i would i would uh, definitely recommend it for people who who are kind of hardcore anime fans that that like know a lot of, about it mm-hmm. um because like i i don't think someone like you know my my brother watches anime but i i don't think he would get anything out of this show i i, I think it's the type of show that would make him go eh nope yeah, yeah um but they I mean, do a funny thing in it and this is what i'm saying like you kind of have to know about anime in general is that the two main characters their voices or their voice actors change every episode <laughs> but they're all they're all um done by people who were like well established um in the industry industry so like yeah. i'm i'm unfamiliar with a lot of the japanese voice actors if you're watching the dub uh or if you're watching subs if you're watching the dub like in the first episode it's christopher sabbat who does um 
uh he's piccolo's voice and vegeta's mm-hmm. voice for dragon ball z mm-hmm. and uh justin briner who apparently oh. does someone on my hero academia in yeah. the, the dub yeah. Uh, so so yeah, like every episode, the the vo- the voices for the main characters are different, but they're always done by someone who would be recognizable to a deep anime nerd. Yeah, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check this out. Yeah, yeah, very, no, it's uh, really really cool. Um, yeah. The next thing, and I, I just have three. So uh, okay. the second thing is the um, uh, I read through the comic uh, Rassel or R A S L uh, by Jeff Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not heard of that one. Oh, uh, are you familiar with Jeff Smith? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, so so he for anyone who doesn't know, he did uh, his his previous book Bone um, is gigantic. Um, and I, I, I feel think... like it's very iconic. I mean, it's the like white sort of like lumpy characters. Yes, yeah, the the would maybe recognize the character since it's a very unique. Um, character design it is and you know there's there's uh it's a pretty old one like he so jeff smith is is one of those guys that um came out during the comics boom in the early 90s so like bone is just 55 issues because he does all of the art and the the writing himself yeah so there's 55 issues but that's those came out from 1991 to 2004 yeah, I right. mean, like, have you read those before? Yeah, I have the uh, the collected version in paperback. That's it's everything. It's Thank it's you. good. It's also thick. It's it's, it's like well a thousand written. pages. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's well written. It's a really good as a fantasy series. Rassel, um, which I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it right. I don't know if it's pronounced R A S L, but I'm gonna say Rassel because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Um, it came out over four years from 08 to 2012 so it's newer mm-hmm. it's only 15 issues um but uh it it gives me kind of like undertale vibes because Ooh, that's cool the whole um and it's it's not because it's really has anything to do with undertale yeah. but the whole thing with it is that the main character is a science well He's a he's a, a science thief. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, in that he has these these two big like turbine things that he wears over his shoulder, and this weird helmet he wears with a mouth guard in it. So um, Jetpack. And he well he he does and he doesn't because he just takes this weird pose like he's he's downhill skiing right like he makes himself as small as possible. Yeah. Um, and he pulls the triggers on these, these turbines and then he pops into another dimension. Right. Hmm. And so this is where he becomes a thief is that he's, he's an art thief. Right. Uh, and so and he's jumping in these dimensions and stealing various I'm guessing works of art. the core or the, um, connection with Undertale is sounds since sounds can like go through dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's mainly it, but it's, it's also that undertale to me i think has deeper meanings obviously the more you play it and the different times you play it um this decisions that you make yeah like this this comic um based on the decisions this guy making it does not end how you think it would end um because he he's also when he jumps dimensions he's being pursued by someone Hmm. um and it's just a really 
out there comic, kind of in the way that like, if I had to recommend this to someone, if, if you played Undertale and liked it for the, the abstract storytelling and kind of the, um, using using the the medium to kind of sort through the narrative you would probably like this also if you watched if you're a fan of time travel movies and you really enjoyed the movie primer um this is also probably the comic for you (laughs) um they say that there's a, a movie coming out i don't know if that's true or not the last thing they have on it is 2011 so I don't think the chances are high of a movie coming out, but it would be a pretty good movie because it's a pretty small, tight story. Um, nice. Uh, and then the last thing um, is I wa- my wife and I watched, uh, again, because it was on Prime for free, <laughs> um, ah, is free. Uh, The Witches of Eastwick, uh, the film. Um, is that the, re- or the prequel to... Hocus Pocus? <laughs> no, no, it is not. Oh. <laughs> Are they We're... making a prequel to that? Uh, they, I think they're making a sequel to that. No, no the, I uh... think it's when, when the three witches were uh, younger. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, this is not that. So this, okay. th- there, there are three... <laughs> So there are three <laughs> witches in it. Um, it's it's based on a book from the 80s by uh, John Updike. Um, uh, the movie uh, is, I mean, it's it's about a coven of women who are played in the movie by Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, um, who get these powers by... Uh, Aligning having themselves with northeast south no they they um that's they, that's a they have sex right with, there they have sex with the devil who is played who is played by jack nicholson and that's very clear on the base just based on the poster of the movie like, <laughs> or the cover of the movie um okay. is this a newer one or an older one no it came out in 87 oh okay 87? yeah yeah it, it was actually it was directed by george miller who did mad max because George Miller has this the most bizarre um, career you can <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. You can, well, like he, if I can take a sidetrack on George Miller, why he is such a bizarre person. So he starts out his his career as an adult as a as, surgeon oh. in okay. in the emergency room, right? Where he gets the idea to write and direct this movie called Mad Max (laughs) because of because of motorcycle injuries. Now, Mad Max (laughs) is. um, If if anyone would like to look up the filmmaking that they did on that, it is the most thoroughly unsafe film you can imagine. There's so there's a first person view of um, uh, someone going like a hundred miles an hour on a motorcycle right yeah down a stretch of highway to get that at the time because it's a big rflex camera the and there's photos of this that you can pull up online um the motorcycle operator Mm -hmm. is you know operating the motorcycle but he's doing it crouched very far forward and to the side really far so his helmet doesn't get in shot of of the camera yeah 
the camera person is not strapped in, but just riding on the back of the motorcycle, carrying a 50 pound camera, just using it as if it's the head of the person driving this motorcycle. Yeah. That doesn't seem safe. It doesn't seem safe. Um, you know who has also not ever had any stunt people die on any of his films? Or as far as I know, even get hurt beyond oh, like, wow. you know, the minor like, oh, I crushed my finger in the door or whatever. Yeah. Um, is George Miller. <laughs> nice. It's weird that he, he can. But anyway, so he he makes Matt, the first three Mad Maxes. He makes this movie. Uh, then he makes Babe. Then he make ba- yeah babe the the pig. babe yeah he write he writes yeah, babe yeah, I don't think he directed it I mean okay. he wrote it then he directed and wrote the second one then I think he did Happy Feet yeah Happy Feet dancing and penguins. and then Fury Road where again he he put Tom Hardy on the front of a car that was going forty five miles an hour Real and funny, his yeah. hands were secured behind his back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when <laughs> I love the story that when when Tom Hardy's uh small son asked him on set what would happen <laughs> if if a tire went out on that car his response to the man's son was I imagine he'd go under the wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't think about that. Yeah, he's just a very weird individual that is still planning on i think he's filming the sequel or, or prequel to fury road oh okay but anyway uh witches of eastwick is um <laughs> really really nice. good you might be able to find it i think on disney crunchyroll? put it out no it's definitely not on crunchyroll oh no it's warner brothers so uh, who okay. knows it may have been who deleted from their knows? archive you may not yeah. ever be able to see this movie again um there you go <laughs> no you, you'll probably be able to see this it has jack nicholson in it they can still make money from it um jack nicholson yeah jack nicholson is so good in this is the devil <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's uh based on a novel that um I kind of want to read now because I I don't have a whole lot of experience with Updike. Um, Updike, like he wrote the the rabbit books from the sixties and seventies. Was the author's name Updike? Updike, John Updike. Um, yeah, no, his name is not Updoc. <laughs> like, no, what's Updoc? Up <laughs> oh, Updog. Gotcha. Yeah. And you're supposed to say what's up, dog? What's up, dog? nothing much what's up <laughs> nah it's a stupid joke okay keep on going um yeah no, no. <laughs> so 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 this movie is interesting it's it's um very much an 80s movie very much a peter's gruber movie from the time mm-hmm. um they they just they don't make movies like this anymore like this is technically a a, a fantasy comedy movie i think uh a lot of the trailers you watch make it look like a rom-com it, it is mm-hmm. let, let me assure you this is not a rom-com Com- movie. <laughs> i mean it's got the devil in it so yeah i mean it's about three women who get magic powers um through fucking the devil and then they they take ownership of those powers and cast out the devil um there you go it's <laughs> it's really kind of fun um and yeah that that was me for this week so so what, what what do you have for your your giganto drop? It's Dragon Con. Yeah, and I went to Dragon Con. Um, <laughs> a 
which uh, I don't think we've actually done a um, con review of Dragon Con officially. I think because uh, trying to get press passes to Dragon Con is a well, no, we yeah, getting press yeah. press passes tonight so. it, to Dragon Con is a nightmare. But I think we've done coverage episodes. Um, of Dragon Con, just yeah. in general. Yeah. Yeah. So this was the first time going back to Dragon Con since um since the pandemic. Since it closed for the pandemic. It happened or um it did last year reopen, but neither of us went just because again yeah it was in the height of the pandemic and we were all kind of nervous and everything along those lines so i think neither of us kind of wanted to go but but this year after you know all the vaccinations had come out and um the promise of it being fully masked uh i decided that i was going to go and but i only went on um saturday and sunday and Truly, I went mainly just to people watch. I didn't really have too many panels that I went and saw. Um, there's only a handful of panels. I went to four, and one was a photo shoot. So the first panel I went to was a, a panel that was a Fire Emblem panel. It was a... Mm. Fire Emblem panel about the three houses. It's the, uh, I guess, newest or somewhat new uh, entry in the Fire Emblem. But it was a dating game where you were trying to date uh, members of the the uh, Fire Emblem crew, which I thought was funny because there is that dating. Isn't aspect. that in the game? Yes, yes, it okay. is in the game where where you can like maximize relationships between characters and you can actually have a, a a husband or a wife and it's nice because it doesn't matter what sex you know it's it's just the relationship is the relationship which is nice but it was hilarious uh the panel was pretty funny um it was a fan-based panel so there wasn't like any big names or anything along those lines and yeah it was it was definitely fun I tried to, of course, I tried to get up on there to uh, be a part of this experience, but alas, I was not chosen. So, but it was nonetheless still fun just to um, be at that path. The the second thing I went and saw was um, they had the Philharmonica, the Atlanta Philharmonica uh, Symphony uh, at StrideCon, which was amazing. And they ended up playing a bunch of songs from, like, video games like Mario, uh, movies like Star Wars, and, like, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. And it was really cool. And one of the things was, so I went to this panel an hour early. I was like, I'll get there an hour early, and I'll see what the line is. The line was huge. It was like outside the actual hotel. I was like, well, Jeez. yeah, I was like, well, that kind of sucks, but I'll come back to this panel or this uh, event um, right as it, you know, starts and see if there's any empty space. Yeah. I 
came back there five minutes before the orchestra started, and there was plenty of space, which leads me to one of the great things that I think they did this year was they actually capped the attendance. Previous years... Oh, good. They, yes. So they actually sold out of tickets. And one of the things that they were able to manage was you could not get a ticket on site. You could not sign up for a ticket on site. You would have to do it through their website. And their website oh. only had... Yeah. And their website only had a limited amount. So I went on Saturday and Sunday, and both days sold out. Where they had a limit of people that they were going to allow to come to those days. And once all the tickets had sold, you could not buy another ticket. This allowed for a much better con experience because you were not packed in like sardines. You could actually walk across the sky bridge and like, you know, have some elbow room, which was amazing. You could be in like the lobbies and stuff like that because a lot of what I do is I enjoy taking pictures. I enjoy looking at cosplay. I enjoy talking to people. Um, surprisingly, I am a social butterfly when it comes to... <laughs> yeah. It's not surprising if, uh, when it comes to these cons. And it, the lower, like the cap uh, on the attendance allowed for things to go so much more smoothly. And it also allowed you to get your tickets. Um, the line for getting your actual badge only took me about like 15 minutes because oh, you registered really? online. Yeah. They sent you a QR code on to your phone, both in a text and an email. All you had to do was wait in line, show them your car or your phone, and then you could get your actual badge. See, previously when they were selling tickets on site, you would have to fill out this little card with all of your information. You would have to give it to the person who had to enter in all of your information into a computer. Then you would have to pay for it. And it just really slowed down the process, making it the line much longer. So that was a great thing. And I was able to get to all of the events that I wanted to go to. Like I said, I was able to get into the um, symphony, uh, which was amazing. I was able to go and get to the um, masquerade, which again was great. Uh, when I went to the parade, I got a fantastic view. Um, I was able to like sit right on the street and watch everybody like come by and everything. And it was, it was great. Uh, I could, because I've been going to Dragon Con for many, many years, and just each subsequent, bad words. I said I was good at talking. And each now, successive year? Yeah. Um, it, it, it just got more and more people, and mm -hmm. it just got, it, it was just too much. It was, it was hard to navigate. You could barely get into the vendor hall. You could barely move anywhere if you had cosplay. You know, you'd be packed up with everybody and no one could take pictures. Um, so that was a big positive. Another big positive was I, I went full on for cosplay. Uh, I am a big fan of Demon Slayer, as many of our longtime listeners know. And I really wanted to dress up as Inosuke. Uh, 
the the uh, four kid, and I I ended up getting like professional like made stuff. I got swords, and it was amazing, um, especially with like the anime being as popular as it is. I think it's like probably top five uh, most popular anime at this this um, time of recording. Yeah. So a lot of people recognized me. There were a lot of other cosplayers. Um, Your cosplay, that, that, I, I have to say, from the photos that I've seen, like that's a pretty standout cosplay. Yeah, it was it was fun. And um, again, I, I think I share a little bit of similar characteristics of Onosuke, where I'm loud, I'm boisterous and proud, and um, <laughs> I love working out. Where I was like, time to do push-ups, people. I, I went around and did a bunch of push-ups with like other Anoskes and or like physical characters, like One Punch Man and everything, which was fun. It was fun that like you have that camaraderie of people where like you know you can be silly with with each other, and um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And then the other thing that I did was I attended my first photo shoot. Um, since I was really happy and proud of this costume that I wanted to do, I ended up going to like the all anime photo shoots and I, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was cool. Like working with a professional photographer and everything like that. And I got a lot of photos. I got to talk to a lot of like actual professional cosplayers and did some like, not connecting but like got instagram information and shared instagram and um yeah it was a lot of fun it was it was really fun to just like interact with people to be out there and just like be able to go to uh panels and not have to like worry about like oh will i be able to one get into this panel or like will i be able to sit in line and waste an hour and not even make it in there because that was always one of the like bigger concerns when we went to dragon con at its height was like you could stand in line for like an hour and a half and still not make it into the panel that you wanted to go to yeah especially if it was at a certain point you kind of have to get good at estimating crowd size and lines Um, and, and that was another thing was like, with it being so, um, small, they still had the amount of staff that they normally had. So it was very well managed. Uh, all of the volunteers were great. Um, and yeah, that was all the great things. There were some not so great things. I was wanting to ask how you felt safety wise. Yeah. So, um, so unfortunately it, so DragonCon said that mask mandate. You have to wear a mask if you're going to DragonCon. Which meant you had to wear a mask in the, the panels. Like the people, the volunteers, when you walked into that panel, made sure that you had a mask. If you didn't, they had masks on hand and they gave that to you. The hotels had a mask optional. So if you weren't in a panel and you're in a hotel, then you could not wear a mask if you didn't want to. 
And yeah. so a lot of the lobbies, a lot of people were not wearing masks. Um, when they were outside, a lot of people weren't wearing masks because, you know, people were in the cosplay and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, um, I stayed there fairly late on Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, when you got into that, like, kind of party scene, because DragonCon does have a, a strong nightlife, I will say that, like, maybe 10% of people were wearing masks. I, yeah, because I wanted to comment were... on that because I know you had told me before um, you were going that, yeah, no, the, they have a, a mask policy. And like, yes. yeah, like on the website and on, yes. online, I saw they had that. They do. And, but then like between yours and then every other person that I know who, who was there who was taking photos and stuff, it's like, yeah. I don't see any masks in any, any of masks, these photos. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I have a boar's head, so like, yeah, you're somewhat I, protected. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was also wearing a mask under the boar's head because I could mm. only put the mask on, uh, or the uh, boar's head on, for a little bit because yeah. it's really hard to see out of that. Yeah, so I can like, imagine. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, truthfully, when I was. Um, when I was out there late in like the lobbies, taking pictures with people, drinking, hanging out with friends, I was not wearing a mask. I, I will I will say that you know, um, luckily, knock on wood, um, it's been a week. Sorry to pull back the current and everything, but it's been a week yeah, we're since. we're recording this on nine eleven. Happy nine eleven. Oh, oh <laughs> shit! I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. but um. Are you saying yeah. that you forgot? I, I did. <laughs> I did. I guess I'm not a true Not a true, true American. Yeah. I, I guess now I'll have to put up like 15 flags around my on my home to make up for the lack of... Yeah, say years. 15 flags and, and sing uh, the Star Spangled Banner like nine times. Nine times, yeah. It, it's a, like a... Uncle Sam will absolve you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolve me of my sins. Um, yes, so um, luckily I did not get COVID. Um, I didn't get con, or con cred, which is great too, but I was, besides... The nightlife i was being extra careful and everything yeah but um but yes there there were um a few people that i knew who did get sick so oh no yeah so so it's definitely it, it when you go to a con this size um you're you do have to take that into consideration and and like i said it's more during the nightlife so some people who want to go to cons, like I have a friend um, and she basically goes to DragonCon for photo shoots and for panels. She is gone by seven um, mm. because she's not about that nightlife. Yeah. And she had, she has two young kids and she was like, you know, I wore my mask the entire time except during like the photo shoots and stuff like that, where we were outside and we were social distancing. Um, and she was like, after, you know, after seven, it just, that was like when things started getting a little bit more loose on the masks, she left. And, I, you know, if, if people want to do that, if people are all about like the actual 
panels instead of the parties because DragonCon is a fan-based convention and there are a lot of parties. Every night there's about seven, or not seven, about four dance parties that you can go to. And um, yeah, so so there is that party aspect of DragonCon. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't think anyone would deny that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because DragonCon is kind of like the the biggest convention here. So I will be going to AWA in um, October. So I'll be interested to see. And AWA is, I will say, on the medium size. It's not like a small, small convention, but it's definitely not as big as DragonCon. Oh, so I'll be really? interested to, yeah, no, no, they don't pull in the numbers. Uh, so I think the numbers for this year was around 60K. Um, okay, and, so in AWA last year, or uh, in 2018, was 32,000, so yeah. about half the size so of DragonCon. And yeah. that was before the pandemic. I'm sure uh, yeah. there are going to be even less people. It'll probably pull in like 25, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I'll be going to that convention in October. I've got actually got two cosplays. One will be a Nosuke, of course, but... I've got a second one that I'm working on, which I may announce later in the podcast. So listen up if you're curious, um, or later on, like a, a future podcast, yeah. um, or a future episode of this podcast. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be interested to sort of see how how that played out. But it was just fantastic meeting or like meeting people reconnecting with old friends that I hadn't seen in a while, hanging out with classic friends. Uh, classic just, friends. Yeah, classic <laughs> friends. <laughs> the friends that hang out with that, hang out all the time with <laughs> classic friends. Um, put that on a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and just like going to panels and cosplaying. And surprisingly to everybody, I love attention and I love like being in that sort of um, vein of like dressing up and um, interacting with people and sharing that love of, you know, media that we all enjoy. And that's like an instant connection if you see somebody else who is cosplaying in like the anime that you're cosplaying you have an instant connection and you can sort of like talk with them and yeah. you know share that kind of love be it talk with them for a couple of seconds being like oh awesome cosplay i really like your x y or z or sharing an actual like you know 10 minute conversation yeah and again if if they want the conversation don't don't have a one-sided conversation <laughs> yeah don't be that guy uh no no one enjoys being that or being around that guy <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you remember, conversations are also consensual. If the other person is not yes. consenting to that conversation, and you'll know if they're consenting. If you get a lot of uh-huh and, like, looking at the phone or, like, moving away, they're probably not into that conversation. I remember <laughs> back at my very first DragonCon, and I, I'm sure that they still operate these this way now, where you have to buy a ticket to play in a uh, game 
Like you know, game? I didn't even go to any of the um, the game room, or I didn't play any games. Like, the two days that I was there, I tried to cram as much as I could into yeah. it. But, like, yeah. I felt like I did not have enough time. So, I'll probably go to Dragon Con next year for all four days. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the reason I brought, brought up that with that guy is I remember standing in line wanting to sign up for, for my dog-eared games to pay my, my $2 a ticket or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy in line behind me who I couldn't get away from, and I kind of think he was trying to be obnoxious on purpose. Part of me thinks he's being obnoxious so he could kind of cut line a little, like hoping he was he was just be able to do it one person at a time. Yeah, just starts telling me about his like unprompted just starts talking to me about his exalted one e character never played exalted before and i had never yeah i well i still have never played exalted and i was just like yeah that's great cool Cool. okay yeah and i'm not the like i'm not the type of person who's like now that i was then like at that point I, I was just like, okay, like just paying attention to him. Um, me now, I would go, that's cool, man. I've never played that game. Then slam my earbuds back in my head and keep listening to whatever I was listening to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to engage with that type of dude. Yeah. <laughs> but all in all, Dragon Con was amazing. It was really fun. Um, and, you know, I, and I think I even told you, Zach, I was like, yeah. hey, I'm not doing anything next weekend because I know that I might get sick at DragonCon. Oh, yeah. Because... Got to build in that buffer space now. That that option. And, um, you know, just plan accordingly. Just yeah. plan, like, if if you are going to go to DragonCon, be willing to accept the fact that you might get sick. I mean, luckily I did not, but, um, you yeah. know. I rolled the dice. Yeah. <laughs> literally. No, not literally. I did not roll any dice. <laughs> yeah, you actually did not enroll any swag. dice. Somebody saw my, like, Inosuke uh, costume, and they were like, oh, that's awesome. And they gave me this, like, um, cool little, like, necklace with, like, this um, uh, sort of, like, what the figures that you got, the, like, pre- the, like plasticky. Uh, oh, the flat pack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a print of a uh, Nesca. So that's I cool. That was really cool. Yeah, I'll have to show it to you next time. We yeah, yeah. Next game night. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. I should send a text. Okay. Well, this is game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Pod life and real life are merging together, and everything is content. I can't tell if. If people are barking at me or not. Oh, no. That's the perfect way to end it. Let's bury (laughs) ourselves in a vault under the sea. (laughs) Oh, oh, but but maybe we should give out some um, some ciphers. Uh, Five, 17, two, nine. Sixty (laughs) nine. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, uh, book club book. Is, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we should probably do uh, that. Snow Crash, which is coming up uh, in a little bit. We'll probably record that next session, probably. Uh, cool. But uh, yeah, so Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash that's coming up, and uh, sixty nine.
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>